And all of God's people say, wow, there's a lot of people here today. <laughs> I am so glad to see all of you here. I sincerely mean that. And um, before we get to, um, you know, what's on my heart in um, Luke chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, if we're able to get there today. <laughs> Um, I just want to share something with you that um, if you were not able to be here or not able to catch us online, um, just want to give you a quick recap because it's so important. Um, what I believe God is doing is not so much what we're doing. What God is doing is the most important thing. So um, last week I had prepared um, a message and as every week that you know I do and was ready to do that. And I just felt that the Holy Spirit was telling me to pray before that message. And so um, as I was praying, there was something I just sensed. And so I felt two hands on my shoulders. And honestly, um, I just kept praying. I thought it was Pastor Brian or Pastor Scott who came up, you know, just to kind of put their hand on my shoulder, like, we're with you, Pastor Mike, you know, keep praying. And I turned around. It was um, one of our, one of our uh, family here. Actually, he's part of our men's, men's life group on Saturday morning. And I turned around, and he said, can I say something? And I said, my, my spirit, the first thing I said was, no. <laughs> because I'm not giving the microphone to anyone. And so, um, <laughs> you know how God is so gracious and so tender and so patient with us. He quickened in my spirit and said, let him speak. And so uh, Craig gets up, if you're here, and just shared that it's just some inadequacies. He just felt like he wasn't measuring up to walking with Jesus, which, by the way, isn't that just all of us, right? And so I thought, man, this is, this is wonderful. This is, I didn't plan this. I didn't ask him to come. I, I, this just happened. And then another person and another person and another person and another person came up, and it was genuine. It was real. The reason that I just... This is so monumental is because God, I believe, is awakening us to something greater than what we've been doing. And not that we were doing anything wrong. I just think there tends to be a, a season of life that we get kind of routine. Um, we just kind of go for the motions and we do what we've always done. And God wants to bring a fresh wave. He wants to blow a fresh wind through our soul. And it's not through having, you know incredible music, which we have incredible worshipers here, and I'm so grateful we have a place to meet here and gather every Sunday. We have incredible schools that we're teaching children about Jesus. We're so fortunate. We are so, so blessed by what everything that God is doing, but every once in a while, he looks for someone or a group, a small group or a small band of people or a, a, a church that is willing to humble themselves. If we humble ourselves before God, it says he will come, the word says. God will come to us and bring a visitation. In Acts chapter 2, before there were 3,000 people who got saved and baptized on that day, the disciples, 120 of them, the followers of Christ, were in a prayer meeting. And because they were in a prayer meeting seeking God and humbling themselves and just simply doing what Jesus told them, I need you to go to Jerusalem and wait because they did that, the Holy Spirit came and blew through that place. It blew through their soul. Peter opens the door, and he sees thousands of Jewish people there because it was Pentecost. 
And he takes in a moment what God told him to do. He takes, he seizes the moment, man, carpe diem. And Peter flings open the door and he preaches the gospel. It's such a, a Holy Spirit moment that it says everybody there were cut to the heart. Why were they cut to the heart? Because Peter said, you guys just killed God's son. 30 days ago, 40 days ago, you saw him crucified outside the city gate. You guys killed God's son. What do we do now? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about a revival moment. Can you imagine the disciples baptizing all these people? They must have been there for hours. How many are we on? We're 2,633. We keep going. People were just getting saved. It, it wasn't planned. It wasn't structured. It was just God did that. And I just, I, I, out of the get-go, I just want to say thank you for being flexible. Thank you for a, being here as a church family. God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, God, we are so primed and ready. We are so desperate for you, God. We don't want to go back to the same old, same old. We don't want to go back to normal. We want to do what you want us to do today. God, you are here. You are present because you told us, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Thank you, God, for that promise after promise after promise that you told us in the Bible, God. And God, we believe before we step foot on this campus, you've already prepared the ground. And Lord God, we humble ourselves before you. All of us together as a family, we, we have been wrong, God. We have had wrong attitudes. Lord, we, I confess to you, God, I have harbored things in my heart. And God, I have condemned people in my own mind because they are different. Because they don't do things the way I think they should be done. God, forgive us as a Christian community that we have closed our doors, God, to people who are so desperate for change, for something real, who may be looking for God, but they don't know they're looking for God. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Come, Lord, in our midst. Change us. Change me, God. We want to see our city changed, Lord. And the only thing we have to hold on to for that change, God, is you. You, God. Put a passion in our soul. Help us to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Help us to be okay with, with what's going to happen next in our life, God. We submit ourselves to you, Jesus. So the remainder of these 45 minutes that we have, God, oh God, come. Come here, God. Move on us. Change us. In Jesus' name. What happened last Sunday, I believe, Something that was in preparation for a long time because people were praying for things to happen here before I even got here. And I saw a genuine repentance of sin. It wasn't just a good feeling. It wasn't an emotional thing. It was a genuine repentance of sin. The second thing that I see happening, because I'm here in the front, I'm listening. You're singing louder you're singing with more passion. I could sense it this morning. There's always a genuine return to genuine worship where we have an opportunity to worship the God that we love. And it's not just for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. It's our whole life is worship to God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. God, every day, wherever I am, I'm in worship to you, God. 
I just submit my whole life to you. There's a genuine, true worship that's happening, that's welling up here at MVCC. The third thing is there's always a return to the word Individually and corporately, pastors are changing, no longer teaching about the things of the Bible or cute little stories or making people feel good. What we're preaching the word of God with conviction because God has touched our soul first. If you're a life group leader here, if you're a Bible study leader here, if you're any kind of, any kind of place of leadership, I want to ask you to get to your knees quickly. If you're handling the word of God with any numbers of people, we want the word of God to convict our soul first. When the word of God convicts us, it spreads down into everyone else and everybody gets a chance to, to be under the conviction of God. God, what do you want to do with us? We know that you want us to be more like Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us to get beyond ourselves, Lord, and just see you the way you are and see people, God, the way you see people. There's always, always, and I see this happening a complete renewed obedience to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gently starts to reveal to us, these are things that I want you to change, and I'm gonna help you make those changes. You don't have to do it for me. It's not on your good effort. If it's not, if it's to be, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to God and me. And God, whatever you wanna do, I'm, I, I just wanna be more like you. There's a complete obedience over the people of God. And the last thing, the most exciting thing is, there's just a natural ingathering of lost people. Last Sunday, we had three people here for the very first time. One of them's getting baptized today. His name is Justin. Came walking down the street, down Geronimo, and decided he was going to go to church today. Didn't have a car. Came in. Hey, what's your name? It's Justin. Man, I'm here. I just need God. Brought two people with him. One of the guys came up Sunday morning for the very first time here and just confessed his struggle with alcohol. And it was just a, it was just a beautiful, holy moment that God was bringing conviction. We had two, two younger people who are kind of also giving their lives to Jesus Christ this week and, and getting baptized today after second hour. One of the things the parents said about their two daughter, one daughter that's getting baptized is said, well, isn't that kind of fast? You betcha. God just tends to do things sometimes in a moment. Sometimes we plan things too far out in advance and we plan God. And God is saying, I will not be planned. I will do what I want to do through you. And revival happens. God is, I just want you to know what happened yesterday was something that has, I believe, planned for a really long time by God. He's starting to manifest what he wants among us. If you've heard about what's happening in Asbury, Kentucky, if you've heard about what's happening in that small little college where a group of students got down on the floor and just started worshiping, that was about 16 days ago, and it's still going, and they've moved that worship service that's just ongoing of the Spirit off campus now. There's something happening in our nation. 20 colleges, plus 20 colleges, are now holding worship services and there's a revival happening across the nation here's the thing i don't want us to miss it i don't want us to miss and it is so easy to miss what god is doing because we're doing our own thing and god is saying i want to do a new thing in you so here's what i want to ask you to do before we get into the message this morning i want you to join with me in examining your life i i want you to genuinely in your own time in your own space, I want you to look at your life and say, God, where do you want change in me? What do you want to do? 
And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will just start to bring things into our spirit and saying, this habit, this thought, this action, I want you to change. And there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's freedom. When we just do what Jesus calls us to do, there's freedom in that. The second thing I want, I want us to do, I want you to join with me. I want to ask you, in, in grace and mercy and the tenderness of the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to repent of your sins. Because that is where God comes. He comes in genuine humility and repentance. And so we, it's not, if we can get around to this, we must do this. If you feel like, I'm just kind of going through the Christian motions. I'm just kind of doing my thing, but there's no life. There's no, there's no push. There's no, there's no supernatural power. It's because we have cut ourselves off from that because of our sin. I know that's not a popular message. I know that's probably not what you expected to hear this morning, but that's what God told me to say. He wants his people to repent. Where are the people in my life that I have not shared the good news of Jesus Christ with? I've been holding back, God. I've been in a place of wrong thoughts, wrong thinking. I've been in a place of selfish living. I want to ask us to repent, genuine repentance. And if God brings that here in our service, just let it be, Lord, whatever you want. And the last thing is I want to ask you to do, if you received a a text or an email, I, I hope that you did. I've asked our pastoral team to enter in just to a 40-day of consecration with God. 40 days from last week, and you can jump in on it. And if you have your phone now, you can just download the app. If you download the MVCC app or if you QR code on your phone right now, the um, card that's in the seat back in front of you, it'll come up. You'll see 40 days of, of prayer and fasting. And so I'm just asking all of us to join in to do this. Now, what this is, is there's a Bible verse every day. We just follow that, read that, meditate on that. And then there's five days out of the 40 days, and you'll see it's so clear. We're just asking if medically it's okay for you to do this, um, just to take one meal out of that day and just abstain from that meal and give that time to, to Jesus and seeking his word and seeking his face. I just believe God wants to do something so great, so great that we would stand in awe of God. And listen, no pastor, no church name, no persons could ever take credit for what God wants to do in the heart. And so I believe that's coming. And here's, as your pastor, I'm asking us to prepare and to be ready for that. There are people in your life that you want to be saved, don't you? There are people in your life that are, that are just lost without Jesus Christ. And you've been praying, and you've been serving, and you've been working, and you've been doing all the right things. But I believe God can change someone in an instant, in a moment, when revival comes. When revival comes, all those people that you weep and cry over and want so much for them to know the Lord. God can change their heart. He can change their life in an instant. And so I'm asking us to enter in so that we can be ready. Does that make sense? Okay, here we go. Open your Bibles. To Luke chapter 18, verses 35 to 43. Luke 18, 35 to 43. We are in probably the last month of Jesus' earthly life while he's on earth. And if you've been with us for a little while, we've just been journeying through. We've been walking through those dusty roads with Jesus and his disciples. We've been in Jerusalem several times. We've been to the city of God. We have seen the city of David. We have seen the place that Solomon had built that temple. And then Herod rebuilt the temple after the the destruction that was coming in 70 AD, which comes later after Jesus died. We saw 
the people of God who brought their sacrifices to God. And that was pleasing to God. But what was missing in those sacrifices was the the heart, the holy heart that says, God, all of this, God, is for you. And we're not just doing this out of routine. We're not doing this just because we want to obey. But God, we are... We are bringing our hearts to you. So we've walked with Jesus who has said, I want your heart, man. I don't want just your obedience. I want your very passion. I want your heart. I want everything inside of you, of your heart, every dream, every broken dream, every failure, every success. I want everything of you. Because when I have everything of you, I can do something through you. And when we've walked in some of these scenes, these real life accounts with Jesus, it's been awesome. We've seen healings and miracles. We've seen people's lives changed. In fact, Jesus right now, we're going to read in chapter 18 that he was walking outside the city of Jericho. Jericho, I didn't realize, is the oldest city on the face of the earth, 15 miles east of Jerusalem. They said when you got close to the city of Jericho, you could smell the fragrance of the date palms and the flowers. Jesus was passing through for his last trip to Jerusalem. And let's read the text together in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. And we heard the noise of the crowd going past. He asked what was happening. And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy. God, oh God, oh God, have mercy on me. Be quiet. The people in front of yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. And your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Absolutely amazing. This man who was sitting by the roadside begging, as he did probably every day, heard that there was someone passing by as we read, Jesus the Nazarene. It's just really good to note things in the Bible that stand out. This is the first thing I want us to see here is that Jesus the Nazarene, he's not just Jesus, it's not just Jesus, it's Jesus the Nazarene. Nazarene means he's the one that was born of God. This is the one that was promised for the Messiah. This is the one that was promised for the Jewish people. He was the one that they've read about in the Old Testament. He's the one that people would literally out in the middle of nowhere where they have these gatherings would talk to their grandchildren and their children. One day the Messiah would would come and save the world from their sins. This is the Jesus who in John chapter 1 that John wrote in that beautiful word in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made and in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. John 5, 
17 and 18, not only did they accuse him of breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, and he was making himself equal with God. And so he approaches Jesus, this blind beggar, he approaches Jesus on the very fact of who he is. He is God in flesh. He knew that. The man must have been Jewish. He must have known the Old Testament scripture. He must have been taught. He was more than a carpenter to this man. He was more than a teacher, more than a religious leader. He was more than just a good guy. So the big question I have for us is, before Jesus performs this radical miracle, is if Jesus came to you and asked, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? I don't, I don't want to pass that too quickly because how we answer that question reveals what we really believe about God. I hope that every single one of you here answer that question with something so big, bigger than no person can do. What do you want? I believe God is asking us that question this morning. I really do. And how you and me answer that question reveals, I want to say again, what we believe, how big God is. There are 34 miracles that are at least recorded in the Gospels. They are undeniable and they are verifiable. John 21, 25 says, Jesus also did many other things. And if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world would not contain the books that would be written about him. So Jesus did many miracles. In fact, it's said that in one particular place that everybody got healed. Everybody got touched by God. Everybody was changed by the power of Jesus Christ. When you come to Jesus, you're not coming to just any old false God. You're coming to the God of the universe. You're coming to the God who created, who put the planets into motion. So I see this man, he appeals to God's mercy Have you ever wanted something so much, so bad from God, and it was impossible to fix the problem? It was impossible to have answers of what are we going to do? That the only thing we have to appeal to God is his great mercy. God, could you come and do this? Because I don't deserve this. We don't deserve this. But God, we are in such desperation for you to come, God, to do a miracle in our life, to change us, change something physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, whatever you want from God. I want to I encourage you to appeal to him on his great mercy. The mercy of God is huge. Psalm 86, 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalm 118, verse 29, we relive those words from King David. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. What I want to remind us, family, is that God understands our pain. He understands our hurt. He understands the questions that we have, and he understands The doubt, the fear, the anxiety, the worry, everything that we go through. Isn't that why he said, oh, you little sheep. He understands everything that we're walking through. What I love about this guy is he dismisses all the voices of opposition. Can you hear the disciples? Stop. Stop. Shut up. 
Jesus has things to do. We have to go. And the disciples didn't really know why Jesus was going. They heard about it, but I don't think they fully understood that he was going to Jerusalem to die. I think they thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to set up the next harvest crusade. I think he was... I think they think, thought that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to set up his earthly kingdom. And that's why James and John said, Jesus, if it's possible, we want to sit on your right and your left. We want to be with you in all of your power and all of your glory. When you, God, reign on the earth, we want to be on your city council. We want to be with you. We want the VIP seats. They didn't understand. I, I don't think they were trying to be unkind. I think they had a wrong understanding. And the question that I have to, how have I, how have we been a voice against those that are just trying to come to Jesus? I, I don't know where this lands this morning. I, I, anybody recently seen the movie Jesus Revolution? You got to go see that movie. You, gotta, you just got to go see it. It's, 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 it's a historical document, if I will just call it that. It was not a made-up story about what really happened in the 1970s, about how God came to Costa Mesa. God did an incredible work that spread across our entire nation through the most unlikely people, hippies. All they were doing was sitting on the beach, smoking pot, weren't working, strumming their guitar, no shoes on their feet. It was just a nightmare. It was a mess. And there was something in the church that was building us. Why don't those young people get a job? Why don't they get their life together? I can't believe. And Chuck Smith was one of them that initially was like, I've never seen anybody like this. They need to get their life together. You've got to go see this film. There's one point in the movie, which I love that he just let all of these hippies come into the church. And they were coming by the, the hundreds. They were coming, sitting on the floors, getting the floors all dirty with their bare feet. And some of the old church members, some of the church folks that had been there for years, were starting to push back on Chuck Smith. And there was one point that Chuck said, this might not be the church for you. If we're not going to let these people come in here who find Jesus and more that need to find Jesus, this may not be the place. And they got up and walked out of the church. It was the best point, I believe, in that movie. Because that is us. That is, I think, the American church. We have held back people. We have held back the gates where God wants to break through and bring people who need Jesus Christ. But we want church the way we want it. We want the Jesus that we want. We, we, we serve Jesus on our own terms. Rather than saying, Jesus, whatever you want, God, I'll change. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. I am in, God. He did not say the, the blind man did not say, well, I guess this wasn't my day. I guess this just wasn't a day for a miracle. It's probably not me. It's probably not just... He never gave up. He continued to ask. He continued. He said, God, oh God, oh God, have mercy on me. And God immediately healed the man and he could see. Can you imagine not being able to see and all of a sudden our eyes are now open? That's what I want for us. That's what I want for my life. I want to be able to see Jesus clearly, God, for everything that you are, Lord. And it requires a humble spirit. It requires a place of humility where we're willing to get down and get low and say, God, I'm not the person I thought I was. God, I so desperately need you. That's where this man was. He had no place else to go. And Jesus sees him in all of his tenderness and his mercy. God, that's how we want. We want to be seen by you, God, with your tenderness and all of your mercy, Lord. Jesus knows how to reveal himself to this man. This man was blind. We don't know for how long. We think maybe through the other gospel of Matthew that his name was Bartimaeus. We don't know for sure. It may have been several people that Jesus healed 
who were born blind. This man, all he knew is he could not see. And so he opened his eyes. To this man, Jesus became the great revealer. Who is Jesus to you? How did Jesus come to you when you were at your lowest point of need? Jesus is the bread of life. I found this on the internet. I thought this was so cool. I wanted to share it with you. That Jesus is the bread of life so bakers can understand. Jesus is the water of life so that plumbers can understand. Jesus is the light of the world so electricians can understand. Jesus is the cornerstone so the architects can understand. Jesus is the son of righteousness so the astronomers would understand. Jesus is the hidden treasure so the bankers can understand. Jesus is life so the biologists can understand. Jesus is the great physician so the doctors and nurses can understand. Jesus is the good teacher so the educators would understand. Jesus is the lily of the valley so the florists could understand. Jesus is the rock of ages so the geologists would understand. Jesus is the true vine so the multiculturalists could understand. Jesus is the righteous one so that the judges could understand. Jesus is the pearl of great price so the jewelers can understand. Jesus is the wisdom so the philosophers can understand. Jesus is the word so the actors can understand. Jesus is the good shepherd so the farmers can understand. Jesus is the alpha and the omega so the scientists can understand. Jesus is the king of kings so the royalties could understand. And Jesus is the way so our law enforcement can understand. And Jesus is the truth so the politicians can understand. Jesus is the resurrection, so the funeral directors can understand. Jesus is the one. He's the one. He's the great physician. Whatever you need, Jesus, I believe, can be that to you so that we can see him for all he is. My life was empty, so Jesus was the fulfillment in my life. I don't know if there's anybody here today that just feels blind, that just feels empty, that feels tired. Jesus is the only answer. He is the only answer. He's the only one that can fill the God hole in our heart. And that's why I love this man, because he simply exercised something so simple that we can all do. Every single one of us here in this room, and if you're watching online, every one of us has the ability to do this. He exercised faith. He simply exercised his faith in Jesus Christ. He believed who he said he was, and he was willing to say yes. Yes, Lord, whatever you want. Let me tell you, if there's anything God loves in heaven right now, it's faith. He loves that we get ourselves stuck in such a situation and we have no way out. We have to turn to him because who gets the glory? If we turn to him, he gets all the credit. He gets all the glory for what he did. Let me just remind you of a couple of things in action point. And then I just want to have a time for us to to just bend our knee in humility. In what area of my life, Pastor Mike, I'm going to start with you. Are you walking blind? There are things in my life, I'll be honest with you, that I have shut the door, that I have justified in my own mind. It's okay to do this because dot, dot, dot. And I fill in the blank. They did this against me, so I don't want anything to do with them. I'm not going to answer. I'm going to disengage. And looking at some places in the Bible where Jesus remained silent and gave no answer, I have justified in my own mind why I could do that. And that's not good. Jesus says that's not kind. That's not tenderhearted. That's not loving. So I want to ask, 
Are we blind? Here's what I want to ask you also to do is tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. I think sometimes we don't because we think we're unworthy. And the truth of the matter is, we are. That's why Jesus died. That's why he covered us, because we are unworthy. But he made us worthy so that we could have full relationship with him and we can ask anything, anything you want, you can ask him. Here's the thing. When you receive it, give God the credit. When you get it, give God all the glory. If Jesus came in here right now physically and asked, Mike, what do you want? God, I want a full-on, full-on God revival among your people. I know that because that has been, you have burned that in my heart for years. I've been reading about it, asking about it, searching, looking, asking, crying, rolling on the carpet, having fits of rage about why you don't do it now, God. Why did you give me the vision, Lord, years ago when you don't do it now and, and actually angry and frustrated with God? And then to be able to see it in 10 or 12 students in a small little college and it's sweeping across the nation. I believe God wants to do it here. He's already started it here. That's what I want. That's what I want, God. I don't want the car. I don't want the house. I don't want the bank account. If you give all that, that's fine. But if I don't have it, that's okay. All I want is you, God, because I know if you revive your people, people will be freed. We'll be freed of addiction, problems, attitudes. God, you can free us in a moment. Supernatural power. Not because we do it, because he does it. And then I can see thousands of people in our city all these areas, people getting saved, going back to church. Most people in South County, they know about God. They've just been burned, they've been hurt, or they got stuck in some sin, or they got too busy in life, and they need God again. Can you imagine every Bible church in our area filled? We wouldn't have enough churches. I'd need to say, hey, Jonathan, I need you to go start a church. Pastor Brian, go start a church over here. We got to house all the people that are coming to Jesus Christ and disciple them so we can walk with Jesus. Why? Because he's coming back. He's coming, and I believe the time, we are so close to the coming of Christ. I have never seen in all my life so much of a slap in the face of God of what we're doing with this gender thing and the way that we've been living and calling God something that he's not. Our, our, it's almost in your face. It used to be tolerated. Now it's in your face. And the Bible talks about all these things happening. Russia, China, all the things in the book of Daniel and Revelation are coming together in the perfect storm. We are so close. I believe we are so, so close. This whole pandemic thing of where we've been in a global crisis for two years was a setup, I believe, a precursor for one day there will be an Antichrist and the mark of the beast and the entire world will be told you must take this and you must come under this person's authority of a one world order. It's happening. It's being, it's, 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 I don't know how else to put it into words other than just please be ready, please. I want us to be ready. So here's what I want to ask. I just want to ask if you just come up to the front, if you're physically able, I just want to ask every one of us that just, not because you have to, but God, I know, I know you're working and I want to repent of my sin. I want to get things right with you. I'm just going to ask you just to come and kneel just for a moment and just say, God, change me. Change us, God. We need change. We need you, God. I need you. I'm sorry for what I've done, Lord. I'm sorry for what I've made in my life. 
Oh God, I just want to ask for forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood of Jesus, your son that covers every single sin. First John 1, 9, God, we just come before you, not on an emotional appeal, not because there's a song that's being played, just because we know this is the right thing to do, God. And God, we are so desperate for more of you, God, more of you, less, less of us, Lord. We want you, God, more than ever. More than ever, God. Jesus, just like the blind man who came and cried out, appealing God to your mercy. That's what we do now. We appeal to your mercy. Forgive us, Lord, when we have treated you. We have treated you as just another thing in our life. And so, God, we want you to be the only thing in our life, number one the number one person in our life, God. We read it, rededicate, we recommit to you, Jesus. And now, Lord, when we get up in just a moment, it is our desire to have the courage to walk in obedience. And thank you, Jesus, that you're gonna give us the power to do that. Look, Lord, all our chips are in. There is, no, there is no plan B. We confess that to you. There is no other Messiah. There's no other plan. You said you're the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for that mercy, God. And Lord, if there's anyone here in this, this place that just needs to say yes, you know what? I want Jesus in my life right now. If that's you this morning, I just you just raise your hand. If you're not sure about heaven, if you're not sure where you're going, no better place to be right now than in a place of humility. And if you need Jesus Christ in your life, you just just slip up your hand only so we can pray for you and just help help you in those first steps. Awesome. Thank you. So, Lord, we, uh, we just come as family to the cross. And, God, in this last moment here this morning, we just help us, God, even in our unbelief, where we have questions and doubts. And we confess to you, God, some of the things that we know we need to change. Sometimes we feel like we just can't. And so this is the place, God, where we say, yes, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.
I um, could take a moment, we're going to just, as you're making your way back to your, your seat, um, there's a small um, grape juice and some bread right in front of the seat back there. And we're just going to take a moment and um, we're just going to remember everything Jesus did for us on the cross when he freed us. So I just really want to encourage you in this moment, this quiet moment to just reflect and remember him, cry out to him. And after the service is over, if God is doing something in you, if there's something happening, if you feel like God has spoken to you, he's wanting you to do something, or there's been some radical change um, at the conclusion of the service, um, we're just going to be over here. I would just love to hear what God is, is stirring up in all of us. So uh, we'll continue in worship and then we'll, we'll close the service. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.